0: Hey guys, it's Katie and Ashley here, back for another Duo episode. This week we are having a conversation about the world's true crime obsession and how we have all changed because of it. Stay tuned and enjoy! Hey Ashley!
1: Hey! How's it going? It's going. It's going good. How about you? I'm good. Yeah. Long day. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Recording after a work day. Oh, man. I'm pretty tired, too. <laughs> well, well, we're going to bring you the energy tonight. To yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. For real. <laughs> we're going to bring some energy. That's for sure. We will because it's one of my favorite topics. Um, honestly, stories and fun updates pretty much zero tonight. So that will <laughs> that'll keep it tight. What about you? Oh,
0: same. Yeah. No, I have nothing. When do I ever... <laughs> <laughs> but surely you have a sunshine medicine.
1: Yeah. um I'm going to be honest. And I think it's perfectly suited to everything I've been doing the last two weeks. Wine, <laughs> full stop, is my oh, sunshine yes. medicine. Yeah. um Preferred reds. Um, I just tried a chilled red for the first time. Not going to lie. Pretty nice. Definitely liked the chilled red. I've never had a yeah, chilled red. It's kind of reds- like a. Do you keep your wine cold? Huh?
0: We do. Yeah, cuz we have a we got a wine fridge from uh Goodwill when we were like in our Goodwill phase, of, I don't know, like last year, back in 2020, <laughs> 2021. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, why my brain just did that. Um back in 2021, we got a wine fridge at Goodwill and it was like 40 bucks and you can program the top rack and the bottom rack to different temperatures. So we have the top rack on like a cold, like a cool red and the bottom rack on like a classic like
1: cold white. Oh. Isn't that nice? That is so beautiful and a good will find. I mean, come on. That's so good. Winner. Big winner. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. So you love chilled red? So I do prefer like a slightly room temperature red, but there's definitely um a new space in my heart for chilled red because I had one when we were wine tasting and it was so, like, it kind of tasted like a cider mixed with yeah. the red. Have you had that? Maybe it's just because you chill it. No. It tastes like that. I'll look it up. I'll share it with oh. you. It's... Yeah, no.
0: I don't know if I've had a wine that tastes like a cider hybrid. Uh, mine just... It was it an just organic tastes, yeah, wine. like the red that we get, but...
1: Yeah, it was an organic wine, so I don't know. Anyways... In summary, wine is keeping the smile on, which yeah. uh, don't worry, I'm not depressed. I'm, I'm already pretty happy, but I, at, you know, <laughs> birthday week, wine is, wine is pumping of that course. <laughs> what oh, about and,
0: you? Yeah. Um, so I finally started my Thistle uh, meal delivery box. So I, I got my first meal. Yeah, I got my first box yesterday and I had my first meal for lunch today. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I'm really excited that I have a fridge full of food that I can just like pull out, eat, do what I need to. Um, and when I was like reading more about the company, they're pretty they're pretty nice. like um, they always they're really transparent about the farmers that they work with. so you're always supporting local farmers. Um, they really try to make like zero waste. They have uh, like cyclical cyclical programs in their business to make sure that they're uh, not creating waste and they're actually like reducing waste um, across like just like, uh by using wind energy and solar energy and things like that. So all sorts of uh benefits to just eating the salad basically. So it makes me happy in all sorts of ways. Uh I'm eating and eating food that is like good for me and also like good for the planet and good for
1: society. So
0: that makes me feel
1: good. That's awesome. So do you get you get three meals a day or two meals a day or what are you getting? Yeah, on my
0: on my box, I picked a lunch and a dinner each day. So two meals a day. Um, and I only did like six days a week, which is honestly a lot. Um, but I left myself one day to like, eat whatever I want, or like have leftovers if I don't eat everything. So it's nice.
1: <laughs> That's cool. And so today, what uh, for lunch was a salad? And what's for dinner? Um, It's some sort of like, grain bowl I guess I'm not really sure
0: yeah I don't know I'm like excited to like go look and be like I don't know what's for dinner let me
1: open my fridge and see what's prepared for me (laughs) that's so fantastic god (laughs) you eat so well you you have a live-in chef and you have a a prepared food box that is like so incredible (laughs) I'm so jealous this is amazing (laughs) oh
0: yeah I know I have to send you a link or something because you have to at least try the free trial, or it's not a free trial, but it's like a trial. It's pretty good
1: so far. I so will good. try it. Be reported. Definitely send it to nice. me. I would love that. I always For need sure. to help eating better. Same. <laughs>
0: um, well, what are you looking forward to?
1: So it might be a bit premature, but we're just getting organized to go home in August. Um, there's like a billion friends getting married I don't even know how this happened but there's literally three for weddings August?
0: We're, well we're, I'm letting you by know the time early this episode <laughs> comes out okay I'm like by the time this episode <laughs> comes out we're in August I don't know what
1: what planning you've got going on but you might be a little late
0: <laughs> I'm sorry <just>
1: <laughs> yeah I'm never really on time um yeah so we'll go home in August um Working out the details, but really excited to see family. I've really been missing yeah. family. Um, and I'm sure the weddings are bound to be beautiful. I'll probably talk about them a bit more coming up soon. Gotta get some wedding guest looks in check here, but uh, for sure, I don't know what to wear to weddings anymore. I there was like a gap of like four years where no one got married, and now everyone's getting married. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what to do? How should I look? Yeah, so oh, all depends yeah. on the location and the weather. Mm, yeah pretty much Victoria probably cloudy with sun, <laughs> not very hot, but not cold.
0: yeah what about the venues? Are they indoor or are they like um
1: okay, one is gonna be like on a small island like right on the coast on uh in a cove it's like a really fancy resort. another one is downtown in like um kind of a hipster brick building patio area so like between a bunch nice. of brick buildings but it's essentially outside and then another one is going to be at like a really nice um and resort but in the city in like the heritage neighborhood on the waterfront so yeah they're what gonna goes? be three different options three different styles yeah yeah i know so i'm like uh three dresses i don't know <laughs> what should i wear should i pull out the pantsuit look that's pretty cool too yeah, Or like the jumpsuit, well. pants. You, you know. got options. Mm-hmm. I got options. So that's what's on my nice.
0: mind. You have to send them to me. See what it see what uh, you decide. <sighs> what are you looking forward to? Um yeah, so I I've decided that I'm going to take a couple of weeks off of acting, but to get other acting stuff done. Um so I'm planning to do this big class in September. But I have to pay the deposit, like, a month in advance. But in order to pay the deposit, I'm not really going to have much time or savings to pay for the class that's going on at the same time. So I've decided, like, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off and then just, like, use those weeks to get all of the acting stuff that I need to get done still. Like, redo my website, get new headshots, um, and then start building out my, uh, like, submitting websites, basically, so, I'm like nervous, but this was kind of like it's on par with my goal. I was like, I'm not going to start auditioning to like fall or winter. So, this is still on par. Um, but it's like kind of like necessary steps that I need to take before I can actually do anything acting wise in LA. So, yeah, that's what I'm that's looking for. Oh, that's big. Yeah. That's big. Like, that's like the next level. Yeah, I know. I've been needing headshots for like three years now, basically, because my hair has been I growing. Know. Since the last time I got headshots. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, exactly. We need to know exactly what your hair looks like now. Uh, um, I know. <laughs> uh, so, but you said before it's pretty expensive, hey?
0: The headshots? Oh, getting yeah, that right, organized, Yeah. Like, at least 500 At least. Yeah. But that's part of it. Mm-hmm. That's why you, there's not a ton of successful actors, because it's expensive. <laughs> the startup <laughs> costs are huge. Yeah, for real. Yeah. hmm Well, tell us what's hot then, Ashley.
1: Um, okay. So I was wondering if I had done this before, but I don't think I did. My go-to summer drink is the Trader Joe's iced tea. It's like a very low-calorie juice water option. I guess it is really a tea but it's so good it's like lightly carbonated it's peach flavored and it has a little bit of caffeine so it gives you that little boost i keep it cold it's so good i take it to the pool is it
0: like in a can you just like get a six pack or something
1: yeah it's just like a a little tiny guy and it it's only a four pack so you really have to oh okay Asian wisely. Um, but it's good. Yeah, I think it's like fifteen calories and it doesn't have a ton of caffeine, so you can still have it like later in the day if you're like chilling at the pool, but nice. A non alcoholic alternative to my sunshine yeah.
0: <laughs> Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um your what's hot looks a little more interesting though. What's your what's hot?
0: <laughs> I guess it's like relevant because I was trying to think of I wasn't trying to make it relevant, but I was trying to think of something that I haven't said on my What's Hot in a while. And I guess it's like, I don't always talk about TV shows or like things I'm watching. So uh, over the weekend, Nestor and I had like a, like a mini scary movie binge. He's not a scary movie watcher and I am. I'll watch them like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, I know that's not like a real thing, but like I will watch them any time of day, multiple times a day. Like it, they don't phase me. Um... In that kind of way, like I'm not affected by them, but I'm usually pretty entertained because, like, I like suspense, I like, um, I like good storytelling. And if you find a good, a good scary movie that can do both of those, then the movie is like, a huge winner in my book. Um, overall, whether no matter the genre, so it's hard for me to love scary movies because I'll watch so many and I'm like, okay, there's only like a few that are good, but. Yeah. So I, I got to do a, a scary movie binge with Nestor over the weekend. Um, and I also noticed that there's a ton of scary movies or like TV shows or like Halloween related things coming out right now. So I guess like to summarize my what's hot is like all this spooky and scary. Um, cause like what we do in the shadows, one of the best TV shows ever is out again, and I thought that was only like out in the in the fall. And then also, American Horror Story came out with their American Horror Stories, uh, like new season again. I'm like, wait a second, it's July, but apparently everybody's in the mood
1: for a little spooky, scary. So that's what's hot. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I saw Christmas decorations in Costco, so I'm not surprised that Halloween is oh my gosh up too yeah Mm -hmm. love what we do in the shadows so good (laughs) oh good so good (laughs) yeah
0: well without further ado let's let's talk about the topic a little bit let's do
1: a episode goal recap we're doing some true crime talking today we're talking true crime which wow if I I don't think I have said this to our listeners, but I am so true crime obsessed. It's disgusting. Like, if it were an illness, I would be so sick. And maybe it is an illness. We'll probably talk about it in this episode. I consume true crime at unimaginable rates. So I'm super excited to dive into this topic and to pull it apart and dissect it. So our goals Ah. for this episode are to learn more about true crime as a media phenomenon and explore its popularity so what has got me hooked um look at true crime with a critical eye and see what's under the cover so maybe i'm missing something but we'll learn and then to discuss if we should be careful about our true crime consumption and what we consume with true crime so yeah a little step back a little pause which we all need to do
0: oh very exciting well without further ado let's get into it okay true crime true crime would we would not be a podcast if we were not covering this topic i think this is kind of <laughs> necessary yeah. is this we like, like, like the it topic that
1: got tr- like got podcast popular <laughs>
0: Pretty much, yeah. I
1: feel like it's yeah, the, the mother of stat all. Stat for
0: you in a minute.
1: Yeah, podcast. Our first question was, "Why are we obsessed with true crime? Do you know why we're obsessed with true crime?" Um, we're
0: we're definitely going to like break it apart more specifically about like the reason psychologically we do like it. Um, but just like if I had never done any research or any reading, I guess my gut reaction would be, um. Because we like to see crazy things happen that we were not a part of. And I think that's just like entertainment and media in general. And true crime itself has become, for better or for worse, a type of entertainment. Uh, So that that would be my gut reaction without any research. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think you're totally right. It's like the train wreck phenomenon where it's just like you can't look look away. So I think, like, you had a really good reason and a really good, like, hook to why we should do this episode. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the original spark for our deep dive on true crime.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, I came across this TikTok, as I usually do. (laughs) Listen to last week's episode if you need more on that. Um, so I, I stumbled on this TikTok, and basically, this creator is a tour guide of the Alcatraz prison. um and she made a video about how many of her tour groups consist of like true crime junkies, excitedly like ready for this tour. They're like like excited to see the prison cells, they're excited to see like the scratches on the walls and like the areas where people were treated just awful, like horribly. Um, And what she was saying in this video was that what many people in her groups don't realize is that Alcatraz wasn't always for, like, the worst crime committers. They weren't always, like, the murderers and, like, just, like, the horrible people. Um, But there's, like, this untold history of the Black experience. And the point of her video is to just, like, remind remind everyone that, like, true crime does involve real lives. And that there's often a, a, like, a deeper history or a darker history to many of the events Uh, or places that we now view as entertainment. Um, So in terms of Alcatraz, like, that's a tourist location where people will go and tour specifically because it was a prison. So um, she's kind of, like, acting as that person that says, okay, I see you and I hear you and I understand where you learn this information, but, like, we need to understand even deeper what the history is and why we shouldn't be excited to look at prison cells like this. So I thought that was really compelling and... um, I've also just seen a lot of articles or people talking on their Instagram about true crime and how it's like messed with us. And um, yeah, so just like overall, it's like, wait, I, I've definitely listened to a bunch of true crime as quote entertainment. So uh, it's definitely good to check ourselves and have this conversation.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, definitely guilty of that. Would you say you are obsessed?
0: Would I say I'm obsessed? Um, I would say that I used to be. Um, yes. I will say that I I am more specific with the type of true crime content that I consume now. I'm not, like, scouring the internet everywhere I can for everything because, like, a couple of reasons. One, like, I've kind of, like, seen and read it all. Um, and, uh... Some of it just kind of got redundant or like really just like about about the entertainment aspect and not about like the crime aspect. So those are like two reasons why I've kind of like, yes, I loved it. I was really obsessed. And also like I've kind of taken back because there's not as much like high quality information out there anymore because it's like more for the quick
1: like here's the stories versus like here's the deep dive of the case, which is what I like. So when you say re- redundant, like just just wondering about like redundant, what do you mean? Like like I'm sure you don't mean like, oh, that killer. We we've already seen that before. We've seen that kind of murder. <laughs> like what do you mean? Not not
0: not that kind of murder, but I do mean like when we it's like the Jean Bene Ramsey like cases. It's like the ones that we've that every podcaster, every documentarian, every person has an opinion on and like Uh, they all tell the story. And that's what I mean by, like, redundant at a point. It's like it it becomes only entertainment because, like, that story's been done so many times. Um, There's lots of stories like that. And I think the redundancy also plays part in, like, the way that these stories are told. They're told for quick bits
1: of entertainment, not, like I said, like, deep Uh, dives. Okay. So, like, for you you're getting tired of like how true crime is have like how it's evolved, but like the investigative work of solving a mystery is still interesting to you. If you could find a case that was doing it that way. Yeah. Okay. All right. exactly. I'm with you. So for me, I would say, yes, I'm still obsessed and that's probably in part because I have such long commutes. So I have so much time to like, for sure, literally take in all this information, but I'm with you. Like I will definitely, um, like, I will definitely skip cases that I've heard covered by other, like, platforms or, like, hosts or whatever, because I just don't want to hear it again. Like, there's no point. I've heard all the details. You're totally right. Like, at a certain point, it just feels like it's being dramatized. I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah. we could speculate on all these details, but we all know that, like, it's unsolved and you're not adding anything to that. So
0: yeah exactly I it's just like kind that. of like jumping on the popularity of it
1: yeah it's like oh we should cover this too yeah mm-hmm. um is there a specific place that you go for your true crime like are you a podcast person i mean obviously we are but when it comes to I true mean. crime <laughs> <laughs> um
0: yeah i would i would say um that's probably either that or like documentaries Netflix, Hulu, Peacock, like literally all of them. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't think I'm partial to a
1: specific place. What about you? Yeah, I think the only reason I ask the question is because I'm slightly more partial to podcasts. And I think it's maybe a little bit because it's kind of like reading a book, right? Like if you read a book, you're kind of making up the visuals in your mind you're kind of listening you're getting more mm-hmm. into it and you're kind of exploring farther with your unfortunately creativity and so it just feel, feels like a bit more intense or like a bit more like I'm solving the crime rather than if I'm watching a show and there's like weird graphics or mm-hmm. like uh-huh you're like trying to focus on some like you know police officer's face or like a family member and it's just like distracting so I tend sure. to like Maybe more of the podcast because I can just kind of get the root of the story and like it feels more like I'm there, but it's only like a tiny bit more partial to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you you spend more time like if you're driving all the time, like you're naturally just going to spend more time listening to true crime versus like watching it at home. Because if you spent three hours listening to true crime, I don't think you're really wanting to come home to watch like a documentary. Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know.
1: I don't know. There there are days where I will there are just days. feel like, there's <laughs> nothing else I want to do. Like I said, at the um, top of the episode.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, I wanted to share like a couple episodes, uh, not a couple episodes. I wanted to share a couple of examples of like what, where you can find true crime and like how it presents itself. Cause like you just said, like we were talking about, podcasts and documentaries. But I also was like, well, there's also docuseries, which uh they also they'll have like mini-series and then they'll have like multiple seasons of a docuseries. And then there's dramatizations separately on like CNN or whatever. And then there's sixty minutes and dateline, which are just like the one hour little bits of more dramatization. And then there's just like mainstream news. Things you'll see on social media things you'll see on abc things like that so i just thought it was really interesting on how many different areas and that's just like thinking off the top of my head i didn't even really go that far into it of like where you can find true crime books it's true you know it's they're everywhere
1: murder mystery yeah i feel like adding mainstream news is so funny it's quite thought-provoking it's like who really likes to sit there and watch the news usually we're just like oh the news is so depressing but as soon as it becomes like like a dramatic yep. like crime story we're like oh my god did you hear about this true crime but it's like no one says that about the news no one's like oh my god like did you hear about this crazy man who did this thing and then oh it's so crazy yeah. i know You're just we like oh like that's like that terrible that all. Yeah. yeah it's a complete opposite uh-huh.
0: yeah and we'll get into that a little bit because i thought that was also really interesting but first like, i was wanting to look at like what specifically makes us obsessed Um, and I pulled a couple of articles and my sources are in the show notes, but it basically boils down to a few things, uh, curiosity, which is like, what it's like the question, like, what is driving this person to do this terrible thing? It's the curiosity. Uh, we also just innately crave justice. So if we feel like, like you were just saying, like we solved the crime, we feel like we're playing a part in that justice. Um, There's some adrenaline to it um, of the crime, of how the crime happened, how the crime was solved. We get this like rush, like an actual like adrenal rush from these stories, which is really interesting. Um, It can be a way of like surviving of our like our survival skills are trying to participate in society. Um, And it's kind of like our way of like in this scenario, putting myself in their shoes. uh, What would I do? So it kind of like asks that question. Um, It's also compelling. It's storytelling at its root. Uh, We love a good story as humans. Um, They're similar to horror stories. We get that same kind of rush experience. So people who, (laughs) like myself, really like horror films and get kind of like a rush out of it. Sometimes a really uh, deep case can do the same thing. Um, And then also we really like a controlled fight or flight. Um, So it's a situation that we know we're safe in, but we're having that control over the fight or flight. So I thought that was
1: really fascinating. Honestly, the psychology is so interesting. And I think you're totally right. Like, it's a good source of tuning out the world, right? You're like, well, I'm safe. Like, yeah, yeah, this Mm -hmm. is something that I'm not going to have to worry about right now. I can listen to it. and It just feels like another world. It feels like I can just live that story Whereas so yeah, much of exactly. what we consume in the day is like stuff that you actually have to deal with. Like, oh, I actually have to deal with my family and my friends and my work and my house and my partner and my, yeah. you know, everything. And this is like, well, on most days, I'm not at threat of being murdered. Asterix, hopefully for most people. Yeah. And in
0: the scenarios that you are, you're telling yourself that you're prepared for it in, in one way or another which is also really weird and interesting.
1: And you're totally right. At the heart of it, it's just really storytelling, which people love a good story. It's like Mm -hmm. campfire stories, like what your dad tried to scare you with. Like we all Mm -hmm. grew up with that kind of stuff. Um, And then I think for me, I totally agree with the like trying to solve the crime. Like I'm a huge like armchair, like, detective what like for good or for bad but maybe like I honestly wonder and maybe you have a thought on this like is that why I got into genetics because I'm like trying to solve mysteries I'm like what kind of diagnosis do you have and I'm like trying to I'm very cerebral I want to take a very long time and just like be left alone and just like yeah, things mean, it, over like, like yeah you know so I'm just like maybe this is another reason why I personally like true crime is a very cerebral like facts and Logic kind yeah, of. Yeah. I mean,
0: it definitely ties into psychology, which you like. Um, but I, I think you also just like in your work, usually, like even in the paper poppy, you just re- really like something that you can take your time with and something that you can just like, yeah, that you don't have anybody else really over your shoulder, even though like listening to a podcast or whatever, but you're still like in your brain, you're like, okay, what would I do? What, would, what do I think? You know, wh- how can I put these pieces together? I just think that you have that kind of brain
1: anyways. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if other people feel that way or if like maybe people with the exact opposite brain also like true crime for a totally different reason.
0: I guess like in some ways I don't relate to you in that in that kind of way of like the the too slow for me. I'm like, I can't do, but I do like, I don't know how I'm trying to explain this. Like when I look at a case, when I look at like a true crime thing and I'm trying to like solve it, I don't necessarily like to like lay, lay everything out. Like for me, what I'm interested in is like, what are the pieces that, that like they didn't get? Like I'm hearing them tell me all of this other stuff, but I'm interested in like, what is the thing we didn't think about or, um you know I'm curious about the the theories like I really dive into those versus like here's the information here's what we have because I feel like that gets kind of like all right well I've read it I've done it but I don't know because I'm the opposite yeah, totally and in, in, in the other way you know I don't know if any of that made sense or if I'm just like no it does horrendous. you're like
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're like okay I I get it like it's the scooby-doo effect it's usually the first person that we talk to it's the first person we interview who's done it but right. like tell right. me like like let me like mull over the things we didn't discuss like let me like branch out a little bit and think a little farther ahead like you're one step ahead you know you want to know maybe not in quick facts it. coming like no
0: but i'm like more curious about the outside yeah
1: but well, we can definitely
0: both agree on the fact that the psychology of it is wild. For real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably that's probably where our commonality is more than anything, is like we're just like, okay, psychology. Very fascinating. Yeah. So how do you feel knowing that women make up the majority of true crime
1: podcast listeners? Honestly, like Mike will say, oh, it makes perfect sense. It's all like some kind of sick twisted version of like a sexual desire and i'm like i don't feel that way at all and personally i'm like how come men don't find it interesting like i don't know if i don't really get it to be honest i know that a lot of people say it's super obvious that it's women focused but i don't really get it i'm like don't you like psychology don't you like mysteries doesn't everyone think it's
0: interesting well
1: (laughs) um
0: yeah it, it definitely makes sense to me um, I mean, there there's a couple of things that we could really pinpoint on with like, why or why women listen to it more. Um, and some people believe that it's like, uh, we're drawn to like the survival aspect of it. But again, it's like the what would I do differently? So like something my favorite murder talks about all the time is like, the their stay sexy and don't get murdered. Like their whole shtick is like, we're going to tell you how to avoid this situation through this story so like it makes sense that that's like one of the largest female platforms who's really kicked off uh true crime as as like a podcast platform they're they're kind of like the first or of the first to really make it relevant to society relevant to culture So the fact that it's two women leading it and they're telling other women how to listen to these stories, like that doesn't surprise me. And also I think just like when I think of really famous serial killer cases, like when I think of Ted Bundy, like everybody flooded to him, all the women flooded to him. It wasn't the men. Like the men were admiring him, but it was the women flooding to him out of just like genuine curiosity. Like when you look at some of those Um, when you look at footage of those women being interviewed, of like, why do you care about this murderer, Ted Bundy? They're all, A, they're like, some of them are attracted, uh, but the majority of them are very curious because they fall into that specific demographic of who he was targeting. So I think that same psychology comes into play of, I'm the most likely to be in this situation, therefore I'm going to... Uh, do what I can to prevent myself from being in those shoes. But also, um, yeah, I think it's like a lot of like asking the questions. How did this happen? Was she alone? Where was she? Who did she know? Like we ask those questions to ourselves subconsciously now knowing the information of those murders. And it's just like our brain is becomes addicted to it. I'm sure there's like a
1: dopamine effect to it as well. But that's just my two cents. Probably. Yeah, I just had to Google it. The name is Hybristophilia, Hybristophilia, a sexual interest and attraction in those who commit crimes. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Now, I don't think that's very common, but I do think like the curiosity aspect is obviously the most common. The statistic that I saw was 75% of true crime podcast listeners are women. And there are almost or if not by the time this stat released, uh over
1: three thousand true crime podcasts
0: and counting. It's crazy. Yeah, that's
1: crazy. That's definitely not a place to start a podcast. You will be flooded.
0: <laughs> yeah, for real. Um yeah, so I, I wanted to know too what like, kind of what you were mentioning earlier with, like, when you were saying, oh, mainstream news, like, we don't view that those kinds of crimes as true crime. I was, like, kind of asking the same question, like, what are the most, like, popular of true crimes? And 90% of the time they're, like, murders or serial killers or, like, m- like mysteries in general. Um, and it's funny because in the U.S., most crimes are nonviolent property crimes, like theft and robbery, and most like of the horrible, heinous murders that happen in the US, the victim knew their killer. So at the end of the day, it's like they're so few and far between in comparison to the rest of the crime in the world.
1: Like it's it's the real juicy stuff that gets us, really. Oh, totally. Like I don't know anyone who's like, Oh my god, look at this tax evasion crime unless you're well, an accountant. <laughs> well.
0: I mean that could also be a pretty big documentary now for somebody who was in office recently for American politics, but hey, that's a that's a really juicy one, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> but not like Joe Joe Smoke, like the guy not next like, door. Like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Unless <laughs> like. it was something really interesting. But there is a show on Netflix <laughs> called Dirty Money, and that's their entire concept is like
1: Oh it, yeah. Have you seen Good. that
0: one? Really interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I think you make a good point. Like, what we're we're most interested in are the things we're not constantly smacked over the head with on the news every day. Like, the news is full of that robbery, tax evasion, political issues, political crimes, wars against, like, racial injustice and wars against minorities. Like, unfortunately, the things that matter are the things we're over inundated with. And so we end up carrying a little bit less because we're kind of trying to protect our... Psyches from breaking yeah. down, like in craving into obviously our nature of feeling horrible about the, all these things that we have some control but limited control over. So yeah. we're just like, oh well, let's focus on this one t- super crazy thing that will never happen to me. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. Um, i I was looking at the demographics of the people who are most affected when I was like looking into this. Um, oh, like. Why are women so interested? Like, obviously, the women do make up the majority of the victims of these crimes. But what I found interesting was that Native women, interesting, but also not surprising, Native women, trans women, and women of color are murdered at disproportionately higher rates than white cis women. Um, So, what I find interesting is that most true crime when it comes to like murders and crimes around these are still centered around white cis people. So, something to think about when you're. Yeah, looking at your true crime media. Now, here's here's the side of that, too, to think about, is, like, we obviously don't want to exploit, uh, exploit these victims by telling their stories. So, um, and we'll get into that in a few minutes, just kind of, like, what the negative side of true crime looks like. But, um, yeah, I just found it really interesting. I wanted to share that stat with you.
1: So I think that's, again, like, the john benet ramsey effect where it's just like oh it's a very adorable you know perfect little americana white cis woman i mean she was a child but you know what i mean it's just like it's the classic like picture book story written for white people about white people and it's it is disgusting and disturbing and we're i think a lot of us are figuring that out and are jumping on board with how that needs to change and that narrative is super um toxic but i think what's interesting too is that if you really dive into the most incredible like infamous serial killing stories out there you'll see that that narrative continues for them too
0: oh for sure so it's like Like,
1: yeah who yeah like if you think of like who are the infamous killers in america you're probably going to think back to like the 60s the 70s you're going to think back to like you just said ted bundy um john wayne gacy um ed kemper like you're going to think of like these very white middle class yeah yeah exactly all american boy kind of thing and they got the most coverage because it was so shocking that the good boy or whatever could do something so horrible right so like that narrative is both sides the good side and the bad like the victim and the perpetrator so i almost feel like because the victim is like that archetype that the killer ends up getting the media coverage as well
0: Yeah, totally. I totally agree with you. It makes a lot of sense. But it's also like, that's just American history in general. And as we're looking at American history with a more critical eye, we're able to like have conversations like these of like, well, how come we haven't been looking at crimes like these? And how come these victims haven't had as much attention? And how come we're only looking at the killers? Yeah, I just think that's America in general. Um, But so how do you feel about it? Do you like we obviously know that you consume a lot of it, but like what is your real feelings about about true crime about as like an entertainment source or as like a media
1: source? Um what's interesting to you about true crime? Um I mean, I'm definitely not going to sit here and be like I hope that people keep getting murdered so there's something for me to watch. Oh no. Um <laughs> I don't want that, but I definitely um I definitely try to listen to um podcasts that are more informative or more educational so i'll definitely select out a good number of like news-based uh podcasts so like the cbc podcast i'll talk about a little bit later um i definitely click like if i ever see an episode that's like black women or indigenous women native women um anyone of color or something that i know is like a horrific like racial injustice i will definitely listen to those episodes um Even if I'm just trying to zone out because I know it's so important to learn. So even though it might require me to do a little bit of research or Google something or um, pay more attention because I have to, like, understand a different perspective, like, I will still attempt to, like, work those into my rotation of zoning out in the world. Um, Mm, Nice. But of course, like, I'm not going to lie and, and say, like, oh, I'm not interested in serial killers. No, I'm totally interested in serial killers and, like, the psychology behind that. Like, one of my favorite Netflix shows is, um, what's it called? The one where they do, like, the, uh, the, um, they build the intensive unit, the the serial killing. I don't know. It's Mindhunter. So, oh, the, yeah. the,
0: the FBI TV show with Jonathan Groff. Yeah.
1: Where they, like, make the, um, the unit that, like,
0: profile yeah, the... cili- mm-hmm. serial
1: killers. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. For me, I, I have similar
0: feelings as you, uh, if not the same. But I think when I look at true crime or, like, when I'm, in, like, invested in it, I'm usually looking at, like... There's a few things that I like, but usually they, I usually like to look at a big case, like the full thing. I like to sit and look at it and, like... Yeah, just, like, let that one marinate. And that's why I really like documentaries or books or, like, really long-form content because that's when I feel like I can get, like, the, like, all the details that I kind of want out of it. Like, the why, the who, the where, the when, like, everything. Um, so I like something that can really deep dive. Um, one of my favorite, I guess, like, cases was the um, the original Night Stalker slash... Um, the Golden State Killer. So same guy, uh, just known as different names. Yeah, so the original Night Stalker is the same person as the Golden State Killer, but the Night Stalker, the one that you'll probably see documentaries on about him in Los Angeles, uh, that's a completely different guy in a completely different case, completely different Night Stalker, Um, but also a very horrible person. Um, But the one, the Golden State Killer, um, so this case I found out through... Michelle McNamara, and so she has since passed, but it's Patton Oswalt's late wife, Um, and she basically committed years of her life into solving this crime, and the police have said, and the detectives have said, without her, without the work that she specifically did on this case, they would not have actually found the killer, so I... I was following that from like the publication of her book, which was after her death. So I didn't know of her, this case, after, until after her death, after her passing. But I did read her book, and it's uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. It's so good. And it's essentially her basically being the armchair detective in solving this crime. Um, but uh, without her, they literally would have never solved it. So um, stories like that I find very fascinating. I really love investigative journalism uh, when it's done right. And, uh, yeah, just really deep cases. Cases that I can, like, read stories on and really learn, like, the nitty-gritty of it.
1: So for that one, um, so she was, in, she was integral to solving the Golden State Killer case? Yeah, she was actually the person who
0: coined the name Golden State Killer. Tell me if there's, like, do you have types of true crime that you just won't watch? Like, things that are off-limit to you?
1: I cannot handle cannibalism stories i'm sorry it's disturbing to another level i will not i have listened or i watched one documentary on jeffrey dahmer and i almost got sick i can't do it huh it's so i mean i understand
0: i totally understand
1: um but i I don't know if anyone else is like that you know i don't know if anyone else is that like extreme
0: oh i'm sure everybody has their lines yeah i mean for for whatever traumas or triggers they have in their own lives as well.
1: I don't know about that. I'm like, what, did I have a history of eating? People? You know what, no, actually, now that we mentioned mean, but... this, <laughs> oh. there was, okay, maybe childhood trauma, not necessarily to me, but one of the biggest cases in our region when I was really little was the Robert Picton case, and he was a man that killed sex workers and ended up putting them into pig feed.
0: Oh, oh my gosh.
1: On his farm. So, perhaps, I'm like, nope. Uh, yeah, I can understand why cannibalism is off-limits.
0: That's totally fine. Um, I haven't yet to find something that's specifically off-limits just because I, I find it all really fascinating. I just, like, it's just very interesting to me on, like, a psychological level. It, like you were saying, it's like, I can't wait. Like, it makes wait. It's sense. So, it's, it's so wild. Yeah. Let's dive into the last part of this section because we have a lot of like bits and pieces of true crime we really want to break apart just based off of this conversation. Uh, Do you want to dive in? We can jump to the next part.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think we've kind of talked a lot about like our obsession, the world's obsession, and we've alluded to the fact that there's definitely some really negative undersides to this. Um, but are there any benefits? We should at least highlight some benefits first before we tear it apart. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I'll, I'll give us the first benefit. In my opinion, I think one of the best things that true crime has been able to do is if told correctly and if done well, it really can be a story that honors the victim, the victim's family, and like the experience of you know, losing a loved one in a horrific way, or surviving a horrific experience. So I think that some of these, like you said, really well done uh, uh, journalism or documentaries, they do tend to get to the meat of that. And they do really tend to honor people and their stories. So I do think that's a good benefit of true crime. Agree.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, tell us more. So cause I'm about to, I'm I, about to just like tear into true crime in a second. So I'm just like, I'm going to let you have this, like, tell us. All right. I'll do the benefits. It. You do the <laughs> negatives. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, cause I agree with all, all the benefits that I see that you have here fully agree. So I'm just going to let you just like make us feel a little bit better.
1: <laughs> so to keep going with the rah 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 parade. Um, I think that true crime can be a good source of public education. So, I mean, really, history repeats itself unless we learn from history. If we learn from our mistakes, it could be a good source of education. It is for sure entertainment, and we all do need to escape. So again, maybe we should entertain ourselves with older, more distant true crime, like from 300 years ago that might be more appropriate but at the end of the day it still oh, seems medieval to be true crime
0: i would love to read about medieval true crime yes please although 300 years is not medieval but where is it
1: i can get you into some old old true crime i would love it um, i would love it there's a, there's some good ones i list at the end um, one thing i've noticed that some podcasts are doing especially mfm and others are they're actually raising money for like active victim groups or active Oh, that's good. Like support groups for the support groups. Yeah. Like real, real active groups that are helping people in need today. So like, I would say at least every quarter, my favorite murder as an example is donating roughly $10,000 to something in an American like group. I've done it for like, I think one time they did it for, like, trans kids. One time they did it for, like, women who survive sexual assault. Like, they they just do it pretty regularly. And so that really makes my heart happy. Um, Yeah, for Because I'm assuming that, like, me watching has got them some money. And then this is where I was like, okay, DNA. So something I really wanted to highlight was that um, DNA technologies are... Like there's such a new field, like I work in clinical genetics, but genetics from the non-clinical sense is really having a huge impact on crime and how crime is solved. Um, So I don't know if this is an appropriate place to talk about it, but we might as well just take a sidebar here. Yeah. So it in. I don't know if like I don't know if this is well known. Probably it's somewhat well known, but you know how like criminals' um, DNA is saved into like. Database like CODIS? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you know, like 23andMe or like Ancestry.com or like whatever. So, you send spit into a company and they give you some information about your ancestry or like common things you might be at risk for, blah, blah, blah. So, if you like don't read that fine print and you basically say, like, go ahead, test my DNA, whatever, it's going to end up going to the company and getting tested for all the things you asked it to be tested for. But usually your DNA is sold to like researchers and it can also be sold to other third parties. One of the third parties is another kind of like DNA collection database. I forget its name, but basically that collection database works with law enforcement and can sell your DNA or cross-reference it, CODIS. So you can basically put your DNA out there and end up like ousting a third degree relative for a heinous crime, which is exactly, yes. yeah, exactly how the Golden State Killer ended up getting locked up.
0: Yes, yeah. exactly. And the person who suggested that in the first place was Michelle McNamara. So All right. We gotta full get her credit Where credit is due. Yes. Yeah. I find that so really I interesting. That. And that's probably mm-hmm. the only reason why I would submit my DNA is to be like, okay, I will help solve a murder backwardsly from somebody who's distantly, very distantly related to me. (laughs) Not that that's very likely, but uh, you never know. Hey, that's like you said, it's how how they're solving some
1: crimes. So that ties into the last couple points, which is really that we can all be armchair detectives, whether we're doing this with our brain or our spit. And um, I think at the end of the day too, we're ending up revealing gaps in the, like american justice system we all know they're yeah. there but i think the more we bring attention to them and people see them in regular media they consume we can all get a little more angry and we can all get on the same page and start to make change
0: yeah yeah i that sounds like one to me you ready to let her rip about all the what are the stuff? negatives <laughs> okay. okay yeah okay well uh kind of on the same vein um One of the negatives is everyone is an expert. (laughs) Um, It's given a lot of people with a lot of opinions, a lot more opinions on things that they don't need to have opinions on. Um, So uh, something that I see a lot uh, on the internet now is like everybody seems to be a, uh, what's the word? A body language expert. Like, oh, I know that they're thinking and feeling and doing this because I've seen this show and this show talked about body language and now i'm an expert on it like oh my gosh not that they say it word for word like that but that's like the experience that you see so it definitely bleeds through the internet of like oh I, i now consider myself an expert because all i do with my free time is binge true crime or whatever um so it can it not always amplifies the correct voices so that would be a negative in my book um Another thing to consider is that the subject is about real lives and a lot of people, or not all the time, but depending on the subject, many people can still be alive uh, who have to do with the subject, whether they were interviewed or they were mentioned or they're just a part of the family or they're a friend of the family. They're oftentimes, especially if it's a documentary or something like that, um, they can really be affected by
1: the release of such media. Um I totally. was reading an article, I think that's why like some people will only end up like consuming really ancient true crime,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, and like really careful about who they consume their true crime from, because if it's just like whatever's on Netflix, like maybe you didn't consider that the people making the documentary don't have the victim's best interest in mind. Um, I was also reading an article um, on time about. Uh, somebody specifically that this had affected. um, so they were a family member of somebody who is uh, affected by one of these uh, major true crime events. And um they were saying that personal details were just shared with the world. And something that really sat with me is they said, they shouldn't get my memories. They're all that we have left. So I thought that was really powerful of like, okay, just remember when you're if you're watching these things or when you're watching these things, like, these are real people's memories, and they're not just, like, something interesting that happened once upon a time to somebody you never knew. Like, they're real souls that, that these stories are connected to, and a lot of them are still around. Um, something else that got pointed out was facts get turned into narratives, and narratives get turned into stories. So you, you can start out with a very basic fact of, like, the sky is blue and then turn that into a narrative of the sky is blue because God loves blue and hates red, you know, like something stupid like that. Like it doesn't need to become a narrative, but it, but it does. Um, So just check your sources when you're reading and watching these. Yeah. It's like a game of telephone, right? Like, yep, Mm -hmm. exactly. What does it end up with? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So always try and start if, if it's, if it's like a story or um, an article or something, try and start at the root where the victim is somewhat involved in the subject of the story. Um, I guess, like, the conclusion of it, because if we're always framing it around the serial killer, then it doesn't really do justice to the the people who are affected by the crimes. Um, I was also reading about copaganda, which is cop propaganda. Um, something interesting that I saw was that... Um, True crime doesn't always challenge the narrative of a cop's role in the crime. Now, we do see this sometimes. We'll see, like, oh, the cop botched the case. He's the reason why, you know, this is unsolved. The cops, you know, were in on it. Like, we hear those. Um, I mean, we're going back to the Golden State Killer. He was himself a police officer, and that's why he got away for 60-plus years or 50-plus years because he was literally inside the system. So keeping that in mind um because like when you're listening to true crime there is a very clear like bad guy and because you have a very clear bad guy the cops just get uh, uh, they assume the role of the good guy just naturally in in the storytelling aspect of it um but what we know about h- police historically is that they are not always or often the good guys um and especially many uh communities do not have good relationships with law enforcement. Uh, So it presents an issue when we're saying things like, oh, just call the cops. Just call the cops if you're unafraid because that's not always an option. Um, So when we're listening and reading and looking at true crime that really talks about cops in a good light, let's make sure that we're also just like, not watching or perpetuating more propaganda. that we're really, again, looking at the sources, where is the story, where is it going, what's the narrative, trying to raise all of that so we can come to the root of what happened and how we can respect the
1: victim. So those were some negatives and my thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree. I like that. Like, try to respect the victim. I think, like, I did put some negatives too because obviously I don't think that true crime is... The best thing to perfect. be consuming. So <laughs> perfect. Yeah. yeah. But so my questions were, who does it financially benefit? So I know that, um, mm, good question. This is like a really, yeah, this is a big topic when it comes to when the criminal is tried in court and the kind of penalties or punishment that they get oftentimes part of the penalties are that they can't benefit from the sale of any stories or media about their crime so i know inherently that if that has been the ruling for a particular case that anything i'm listening to is either going to benefit like a nobody someone who made a documentary or hopefully some kind of victims group I try and hope I'm watching more stories about people who end up getting some kind of benefit out of it. Either the victims are actually paid for their interview time in something, or there's a donation. Like I said, to like MFM, MFM is donating to some kind of group, but I don't know. Like, I don't think all criminals are under that kind of stipulation. I feel like probably some criminals are allowed to make money from their crimes eventually.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not really sure uh, where that goes either. But you make also a good point of like uh, somebody random could be making money who's not involved whatsoever, and their only interest is financial
1: gain of their own. So, well, that's like our our endless fascination with how many Netflix shows can you binge? Right? Like that's yeah, exactly. More, it's like fast, not fast fashion, but fast, (laughs) fast crime. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, and so. Um, Another question I was asking is what's missed in the telling of these stories? So personally, I've noticed a shift over the last like two years in how stories tend to be told. Now, it's not universal. It certainly is only like 30% of the media that I'm consuming is doing this. But some places are like, okay, let's talk about The victim or let's talk about the victim's family first like this is the story of such and such who ended up meeting you know a terrible fate and i prefer that framing of the story a lot better and i also like it when it's like here are the facts here's the information about the killer or the criminal but you need to go back and like talk about the story so a lot of people are adding in like the background of a person like You've got to fall in love with the victim. Like, this is your everyday person. Sure. And we we need to honor that person's story more than we need to honor the legacy of the crime, you know? Yeah, so no, that, absolutely right. Like, shift has been such a breath of fresh air in a lot of these stories. But it's still it's still rare. Like, I feel like we're still being like, there was a man who came around a dark corner and grabbed, sure. like, you know, like that's And I still, also think...
0: I think part of that, too, is there are a lot of like unsolved crimes, and I think that's especially where that comes to play because because you don't know who it is, people cannot stop thinking about who it might be, so they're never really given the times to think about what happened to the people who were like um the case that comes to mind is the the case that they did a that serial started out with on uh, on podcasts and uh, the Adnan Saeed case. Um, that one specifically highlights that problem, uh, especially the HBO documentary that they did that coincides with the, with the podcast. Um, they specifically talked about that, especially the family of the victims. They were like, or of the victim, they were like, you know, we don't care if Adnan did it. We don't care if somebody else did it. At the end of the day, we do not have our daughter anymore. Like get over it. Like, but at the same time, you have somebody whose life is like, I did not do this. Don't. Like, why why do I have to be caught in, in this when I didn't do it? So it's quite interesting and it's like a spiral
1: loop that just goes on forever. Absolutely. We kind of talked about this earlier, but um, a lot of, like, I think a lot of like today's true crime media is based in the fantasy of like the golden era of serial killers, which is really like the 60s and 70s. And it's a horrible name to give it, but I think right. that's the name it has. And I was really wondering like why did it end up with that name and why was it that and like I said before I think it's because a lot of like systemic racism and like just the way society was it's like those all good American boys ended up committing such heinous crimes and it shocked everyone but like racism was so perfect during that time that you could get away with it because of your like white privilege your
0: whiteness and like how
1: disgusting is that yeah yeah i mean uh
0: it it reminds me of it's not a real true crime story but it is like um like inspired by it uh the lovely bones i don't know if you've read that book or seen. oh yeah yeah so that's definitely something that they say like um in the beginning is like oh because it takes place in the 70s and it's like oh well like we didn't know better because everybody was everybody left their doors unlocked and we all hung out with each other and like everything was chill because like they're just like crime like that just didn't exist in neighborhoods in like family neighborhoods. Um, I mean, there's like no security. So it's like when you don't expect something and you're not locking your doors, like you're obviously like setting yourself up. I mean, you are not setting yourself up. That would be victim blaming, but you know what I mean? Like this, and from a serial killer's perspective, um, it's, like, it's a free opportunity versus like, now where there's cameras and phones and videos everywhere. It's there's not as much like opportunity uh, as there used to be. I'm sure there's also something to do with like, lead exposure or something for that generation. Like, I'm, I'm sure there's like something else even deeper there that we just haven't explored psychologically and like being affected by like the world. I don't know. Wouldn't yeah. a dark
1: triad plus lead poisoning. <laughs> yeah. Delightful. Mm, I don't know. Maybe I'll get back to you on the genetics of serial killers in like 25 yeah. years. Um, so I have a few more, but we kind of already touched on them. So I think we're good to continue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why don't we just uh, end with some rapid
0: fire? Because uh, we kind of talked about how we can make true crime more ethical. and And that's just like not viewing it strictly as entertainment. And giving more uh, views to the victim and not the cops or not glorifying killers. Um, th- do you have
1: anything else to add to that? Mm, just try to consume more balanced media as you do with anything else. Watch your sources and definitely try to like pick people who have more experience and education in the field. Like some news, art- some news outlets really do a great job and do it justice.
0: For sure. Well, let's do some rapid fire. Cool. Podcast or docuseries? Podcast.
1: You? Docu-series, personally. (laughs) Um, Heist story or unsolved mystery? Oh, it really depends on the day. Because sometimes like
0: a good heist story is like, dang, they did it. They got away with it. I might say high story cuz like sometimes unsolved mysteries like make
1: me angry cuz I'm like why well, don't we really know it yet.
0: What about you? Oh my god.
1: That's my exact answer. I'm like I love oh. a good high story and I cannot stand an unsolved mystery. I don't like <laughs> a, like And a cold case is fine if they've solved it. If that's why we're talking about it.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that was that was my next question. Cold case or unsolved murder?
1: cold case I'm as sorry, long as there's an answer.
0: I'm sorry. What is your favorite cold case or unsolved murder? I don't know why I just like eliminated the first half of that. What is your favorite there's cold no- case or unsolved murder?
1: <laughs> um so this is not going to be very popular, but my my preferred cold case is um there is a little boy who went missing in our hometown in like I don't know 95 and he is a year older than me and his name is Michael Donahue and no one has solved that mystery he went missing like right by my old apartment and oh wow um yeah he's never been found oh and it's wow. a very That's safe crazy. area yeah I I think I saw
0: something with like Kristen Chinoweth doing a documentary herself on on some mm-hmm. unsolved crime that she like also was like in her hometown or like she wasn't a part of but she was like around for I don't know I saw uh, did you see this you know what I'm talking about?
1: No. I
0: think I've oh. heard about it, though. Wild. I would have never, like, you never know when things are so close no, to No, I home. think it's,
1: like, it's the thing that, like, sparks your, like, original interest, right? It's, like, that's what your parents are talking about. That's what's all over the news when you're little. Like, that's why I think a lot of people really are fascinated with the JonBenet Ramsey because, like, they got so much media when they were younger. Yeah. Um, for a while, it
0: was because it it was uh, unsolved. It was the Golden State Killer case. Like that one was, I was like so fascinated by it just because like the logistics of it did not make sense. Like, and and Michelle McNamara did a, a fantastic job of describing all of these things that were, were like, that they didn't have answers on that she found. So I would say that's that's probably my favorite because it's like the most recent to memory of like, being really interested in something completely unsolved that eventually did get solved, which is like so satisfying. Um, yeah. So now, like, every so often, I'll pop into like the Reddit page and like see how the trial is going. Cause like there's a trial now.
1: Oh, it's wild. Yeah. We can't um, fool us. We know you're not a crippled old man.
0: <laughs> for real. Oh, for real. Okay. Tell us what your favorite podcasts or channels or whatever are.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's such a list. Okay, so obviously if you haven't this by this point, I am a huge murderino. I like my favorite murder. Um, so a couple others on the list which are worth noting is there's a CBC podcast series and it is um like specifically the series that I like, but I do think that CBC podcasts in general, which is the Canadian Broadcast Company, do a really good job. Um it's called I wrote it down. Oh, missing and murdered, finding Cleo—the CBC podcast. So this is a very little, oh. um, yeah, indigenous girl from Central Canada who went missing, and um, you were telling yeah, me about they this. Track, I think. Yeah, yeah, they track her, her path through like Middle America. They interview a bunch of her family and friends, and they do a bunch of digging. And it's like an, an indigenous researcher journalist who does the whole podcast, and it's so good. And it's a little bit suspenseful, a little bit heartbreaking, and it's very educational. But it's light enough that you can just be like, okay, I'm going to gonna hang out with, with the podcast. I forget her name. She's a really good journalist. I should um, write it in the show notes. And then um, I mentioned if you want to consume more ancient uh, true crime because you don't want anyone to be alive, go for tenfold more wicked. So this is like a... Um, a researcher from i think the university of texas and she covers like really old crimes i think they're like they're from all over the world but they're really interesting um and they're just like longer like 10 part series
0: oh nice um, see
1: i like those yeah yeah exactly you'll probably really like that that's pretty long form Nice. I like serial killers, and of course any survival story is also amazing. That's probably like at the peak, to be honest. A survival story, I like I love that.
0: Oh, same. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Maybe it was making not making maybe it was my favorite murder that they I think they do a survival series, don't they? Where it's like every every couple episodes they'll do one. Um uh,
1: Yeah, I think that Karen Really like survival stories, so she'll just plug those whenever she can. Yeah, I think like I, I I was on a road trip.
0: I think it was like either the one that I went with my mom, or it was the one that I went with Texas. I honestly don't remember. Um, but I definitely listened to a couple of specifically like I survive stories, and they were just so crazy and amazing, and like yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, my favorite are um. These are just like really basic ones, like everybody knows them. Serial. Um, I just think they they do such a good job. And at first, I couldn't get into it. Right when they started, but I think it was like I accidentally listened to the episodes out of order, and that's why I was like, "Why is everybody love this? It's so confusing." Um, now I know because I listen to them in order, and I know what. I each se- each uh, season helps. is a separate story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it helps. <laughs> Um, by the same by the same producers, they did a, it was just like a few episodes. It was called S-Town. Um, and it was, I don't know if that falls into the bucket of true crime because that was initially the subject was like, let's investigate this crime in this town in Alabama. And the conclusion is so much crazier than what they went to investigate for. So that probably falls into like all time favorite true crime slash like podcast series highly recommend s-town it's so good um yeah i I want to hear this yeah and then for more of like for better for worse for more of a light take on true crime i do like and that's why we drink um part of their uh part of their show is like about supernatural and like unexplainable and the other part is about true crime so on part of it they will read like a a real story and explain as much as they can that's the only podcast besides my favorite murder that i'll listen to that has um that they'll only mention it in one episode versus like a full series of them um but I do like the way that they talk about the crimes. I like the way they talk about the victims. I like how, um, the way that they direct you to learn more if you want to learn more. Um, so they're always providing extra resources if you want to dive deeper into the case. Um, and they just do a good job at telling the story. So those are the ones I like.
1: Um, favorite crime TV movie or other kind of similar series?
0: I didn't even write one down And now that I'm looking at it. Um... I don't know if I have a favorite, like not nothing specifically comes to mind that I was like, this is the best. Even though I say that I spend most of my time watching documentaries and movies, I cannot pull one. Okay, wait, here we go. I will tell you of one that I did see recently um, and it was a TV show. So technically a dramatization of this surgeon. And this is recent. It was a surgeon in Texas who was... Um, he was performing surgeries on these people, but he was like really underqualified and he had faked his entire like professional history essentially to say that he was overqualified for these surgeries that he was practicing. Um, and people were dying on the bed. Uh, it was really tragic, really sad. Um, it was the TV shows called Dr. Death. Now, normally I would not recommend, (laughs) like we were just talking about, um, watching these things for entertainment, but, um, it was just really wild. I'd never, I'd never realized that like it, ge- it can get that bad. I guess as far as like people faking their education. Yeah, like was he the one that actually like tried to kill people, or he
1: just did this? Out he wasn't of, like- trying
0: to. No, that was the thing. He wasn't trying to kill them, and he was like even saying like, "Oh, like I did everything right." You know, the reason they died is because you know this person over here did something wrong. Like he kept pushing the blame off. But I just found it really interesting that somebody would just, like, fake their entire career over the sake of people's lives. I just found that really crazy. Um, So I saw that on Peacock, I think. But they also have a documentary that goes with it that includes, like, all of the extra information. So they kind of, like, pair those two together, which is why I watched it. But that's probably the most recent that comes to mind. I don't think it's my favorite. It was just kind of, like, crazy, interesting, weird, like outside of the regular
1: realm of what you would consider true crime.
0: What mm-hmm. about you?
1: No, that sounds really interesting. Um, actually, you might like Nurse Ratchet. if you liked that oh, one.
0: Oh, I've, I've seen that one, yeah. Oh, yeah, weird, huh? Um, yeah, kind of
1: up that same alley. I think, so, my favorite podcast was Missing and Murdered, Finding Cleo. That's the CBC podcast, and I just Googled it. It's Connie Walker, who's the journalist, then for a movie, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Love Shawshank Redemption.
0: I don't think I've ever seen that one, honestly. What? It's I know. It's like almost
1: my favorite movie altogether. It's um. Wait a
0: sec. I know who's in it. I I just have never seen it. It's like always. It's always on Netflix or something. Always sitting in my like must watch movies. I just never seen it.
1: Yeah, it's good. Nice. I'll have to give that one a watch. Um, do you watch True Crime After Dark, or is that a strict no?
0: Sure. Like I told you, I, I, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. could be with anything, I honestly. <laughs> it's, like,
1: it's, like, horrible. Like, we're,
0: we're, we're trying to analyze you and, like, your obsession with it, but, like, we should analyze me and, like, how unfazed I am by it sometimes. You're like, no, this I'd... is fine. Yeah. <laughs> what about you?
1: Yeah, I'll watch it, but I, like, if I'm alone, I'll have to, like, push my dresser in front of the door. <gasps>
0: oh, I get sleep it. Sleep with a knife. Yeah. That's oh, probably a smart thing to do. I, I'm just, like, I sleep like a baby. It's horrible.
1: <laughs> you're like this This is fine Nothing i forget happened.
0: everything yeah um so does it have to be murder or do you also like other true crimes
1: like i said i think the best ones are um survivor stories and like although i i threw some serious shade at like tax evasion stories there is a pretty interesting like financial crime out there and if i have mike beside me to explain what the heck oh, is yeah. going on and why this is a problem? I'm like, yeah. wow, <laughs> this sure is incredible. I'm sure he gonna interesting, too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Do you have one?
1: like?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I do like all of it. Like, I was just saying, like, a heist story, like, a good heist story. Like, I just saw on the news the other day. Like, there was, like, a legitimate heist the other day of one of those Brink trucks. And, like, two of the security guards from those Brink money trucks were not there where they were supposed to be for like over for almost like forty minutes. So the whole team of robbers escaped. They don't even know how much money they escaped with. They said it's estimated between ten million and a hundred million dollars. They don't even know. So those fascinate me too. I think they're so crazy.
1: Especially if no one gets hurt, you're like, yeah,
0: no one was hurt. They don't know who. They don't know anything about anything. They just know like the money's gone and the cops weren't (laughs) there when they should have been or the guards. So obviously, people insane. are like, "It's an
1: inside story," but I don't
0: know; could be anything.
1: So my last question is: What's going on with the Pacific Northwest? Why are there so many true crimes coming out of there? Oh my god! Yeah, I don't
0: know. But one thing that I
1: one thing that I have
0: learned about the Pacific Northwest because I I also know that that's a statistic; it's they are they occur in higher ratios up there. It's got to do with the dark, honestly. Um but something that I I learned about that specifically is that like officers who are doing um or I guess like bookstores that have live readings from people who are talking about true crime they will have officers standing in there and they will have uh somebody taking a photo of the audience because it's been proven that people who or it had been proven, I have to, I should have looked up this story because it's really fascinating, but it had been proven that people in the Pacific Northwest, not only are they committing more crimes, um, they're also, they tend to be around the areas in which people are talking about their crimes. So they will Mm -hmm. go to readings in which they, you know, somebody's doing a reading about the crime that they committed and they will go there as like an interested party of like, okay, um, oh, tell me more about this crime. I know nothing. Um, But the police have since learned that they will do that. So they started taking photos for book readings and anything related um, just to keep a record because it has happened where they've been able to pick up. I I don't even remember. There is a specific murderer that this happened to that they found him because he was in a crowd uh, participating. It was really interesting. So I don't know. Not very smart, you know, not very smart. Well, neither is committing crime really at the end of the day, but <laughs> Oh my yeah. god. What do you think? What's going on in the Pacific Northwest? What's your best conclusion?
1: I like the lead poisoning idea. Yeah. Depression. Something in the, water. Something yeah, in the rain. seasonal depression. So radioactive the rain. rain, acid rain, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um so that was a good finish on a, sh- on a really light note, but I I just remembered this thing that I was going to tell everyone. I think it deserves a couple of seconds of airtime if not like infinite airtime. Okay. But what we can give it tonight. Um I don't know if you heard in the news, but there the the pope has been visiting Canada to oh yeah to yes, try to yes. apologize to Indigenous people for the, like, heinous history of crimes inflicted on Indigenous children and um, the destruction of Indigenous families by mainly, like, religious facets. And I think it's really interesting. And I think that Canada has a pretty rich and dark history of not just on Indigenous folks, but also... Asian Canadians uh, thousands of other minority groups and I think it's an interesting day in our history that that is happening and I'm really yeah. curious to see how it's received because I've already seen some media that it's not being received very well so um, one step forward two steps back I think it just it just deserves a little bit of a uh, airtime and we always like to leave off with something to chew on so maybe the the audience the family can chew on that <laughs> I like that. That sounds good to me. Uh, Well, with that, Ashley,
0: thank you for hanging out with me for another week. Always a pleasure. And uh, I'll see you again next time, next week or the week after, whatever we do. (laughs) Okay. Bye, everyone. Sounds good.